Welcome to Femboldened, a podcast where inspiration meets aligned action, where science meets spirit, and where you've landed to enliven the bold within you. I'm your host, Angelica Pascone, women's empowerment coach, specializing in helping heart-centered, high achievers like you shatter their personal and professional self-built glass ceilings. Get ready to awaken to your truest potential as we dive deep into the emboldened stories, wisdom, and medicine of our fellow sisters to energize you into living your bold. The question is, are you ready? Let's get started. Emboldened. Welcome, Femboldeners. I have a special guest with me today, Sarah Myers. We have known each other for six-ish years, and we've had different life paths, even though I think we have the same or similar goals in life, which has been phenomenal. And this is the first time we're meeting. We figured out before in five years that we've seen each other, and a lot has happened for you, Sarah. Welcome. How are you? What's going on today? Thanks, Angelica. I'm happy to be here. I just came out of two weeks in the ICU, so I'm a little uh, little sleep deprived at this point, but otherwise doing great. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to talk with you about how things have kind of changed for me and transpired over the last few years. Yes. Okay. So to clarify for my listeners, you personally weren't a patient in the ICU. <laughs> you were taking care of patients in the ICU. <laughs> I should have specified that. I think that's <laughs> the sleep deprivation talking. Yes. I'm a first year internal medicine resident and I just did two weeks in the medical and cardiac ICU. Um, yeah. I was taking care of patients, fortunately not a patient myself. So, okay. Good. Well, I'm happy to hear that. First year intern. What is that like? I mean, we see Grey's Anatomy, but what's it like in the real world? So, Um, I don't know yet. I only know about four weeks of intern life. And so far it's been great. Um, It's a lot of, it's a lot of learning. It's a, from what I've heard, one of the steepest learning curves that one will experience throughout their medical training. And I can already see see how that will happen and see how uh, that's going to go. I've already, you know, learned a lot and kind of seen myself grow even in just the two weeks that I was on this pretty intense rotation. So it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of note writing. Um, It's a lot of work, but it's also already been really rewarding. So pretty much responsible for the end of the days and, you know, keeping things going in coordination with the senior residents and attendings. Mm, beautiful. And, and what's your, so you had two weeks in the ICU. What's as a, as a schedule sort of like, um, rotations that you had in school as well? That yeah. So, um, the way that the program works that I'm at is everything is in a two week two week block. So you typically have uh, four weeks inpatient. So two weeks and two weeks of inpatient that could be anything from general medicine to the ICU to subspecialty services. And then you have two weeks on clinic block, um, which you have your continuity clinic, you see your routine primary care patients, and then you also do subspecialty clinics during those weeks. Mm, Awesome. And (laughs) you're specializing in internal medicine. Mm -hmm. Yes. I am right now doing a three-year internal medicine residency. Beautiful. And from there, do you know if you're going to stem out to further specialize? 
<laughs> it might not surprise you um, to know that, <laughs> that I do have intentions of at least, you know, pursuing and looking into a cardiology fellowship because uh, the passion that I found when I was working as a PA in cardiology uh, really inspired me to go back to medical school. So I, I think I at least have to explore that route and see if that's still something that I want to do. Yes. Yeah. So to fill the listeners in, Sarah and I met, well, I was on rotation studying to be a PA and she was a PA working with a doc that I shadow. I guess I was in rotation with for just a week. I was technically in primary care, but the primary care physician I was with thought I could use some, some help with, uh, with cardiology and stuck me there who, and, and that same physician I'm currently seeing because I've got palpitations and all sorts of other things. So I'm traveling an hour just to see him specifically because he's that dear to me. Okay. I don't know if I knew being a medical doctor, was that something that was always in your, in your conscious of something you wanted to do? For some reason, because no one in my family is a physician, I, I don't know what it is. It was just meant to be my path, but it is always what I have wanted to do. And, you know, my path has certainly been a little bit longer and windier and, um, I don't know, uh, different than, than most, but yeah, it's, it's what I've always wanted to do. And honestly, I had the, the four years of medical school that I just finished were some of the best years that I've, that I've had. And, and I think the next three years and maybe beyond are, are going to be great as well. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. I would love to know what your, well, okay. I, I think I've got a lot of questions. I'd love to know what your experience was like through PA school and then your decision to continue to follow your dream as a physician and that schooling, what the differences were, if there were similarities, all of it. I want to know all of it. Tell me more. Yeah. So I think um, for me in PA school, personally, I, you know, and especially looking back now, I, I don't think I always put my best foot forward because I think in my heart, I knew that that wasn't where I wanted to be um, and that I was doing it because I didn't want to have a gap in my education and in my career. And so I kind of went through the motion some of the time, if not most of the time, you know, to, to get it done. And then when I was working, I, I loved seeing patients and I had, a I didn't, I never even did a cardiology rotation in PA school. And then, you know, when I started working as a PA, it was just something that I grew to absolutely love. And I had wonderful teachers and they inspired me to continue my training because I just wanted more. And now that I've gone through medical school and certainly see, seen the differences and, you know, the, the, the training, the parallels and the differences, I think for me, what's been so satisfying is the way of thinking, right? Like when I was treating, at least most of the time, um, but I didn't always know why I was doing it. And after going through medical school, now when I'm seeing a patient and treating a patient, I usually still have some idea of what to do. Um, but then I know why I'm doing it and why I'm not going to do other things. And so for me, that thought process has been really, um, amazing to like learn and, and kind of, uh, figure out again. So I think that was really the most rewarding part is to be able to know why I'm doing or not doing, uh, certain treatment plans. Mm, that's amazing. You're right. I mean, I think in PA school, we do have some level of depth, of, of medicine and anatomy, but at the same time, it's more like following an algorithm patient mm -hmm. presents this way with mm -hmm. this, that, and the other symptom. And this is how, this is what you do. Blah, blah, blah. If this doesn't work, then maybe think this, but it's really interesting to hear it's, there's so much more depth in understanding. And I, I can, I can understand 
almost like a freedom with that. I think that's more, more I love that actually. I haven't thought about it as a freedom, but I think you're right. Like it's a freedom to, to think and to under, and to know how to think about a problem as opposed to just being restricted to the, the only thing you really know is, you know, what you were taught and, and algorithms. I really like that. And comfort is interesting too, because So I worked in cardiology and then I did internal medicine for a year when I was applying for medical school. Mm -hmm. And I, I did only admissions at a pretty large Mm -hmm. hospital and patients were really sick. And there were some nights I was like, this is not okay with, you know, and, and I still see that. And I still get intimidated when I see sick patients, especially early on in my training. But I do think there is some comfort in knowing that I do know more and I do know why things are happening and, you know, really understanding pathophysiology better gives you a little bit more comfort. That being said, it's always good to be a little uncomfortable because yes. you, know, you have to know what you don't know and realize what you don't know to be safe. So I, you know, I do think that's mm-hmm. still the case, but yeah, that's definitely the difference that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge, huge discussion that I've had multiple times on this podcast and something I, I talk about with clients is the importance of discomfort and how at, as society, society as a whole teaches us to push away discomfort and not own up to things that we don't know. And that makes trouble later down the road, or, you know, as far as doing things that are uncomfortable, that speak to you, like, for instance, I don't know. And we can, we can certainly talk about this more knowing that you wanted to be a physician without having a model of that in your family. I'm sure there are moments of discomfort throughout that, but in order to achieve that dream, in order to live out what maybe you consider your life's purpose, you had to sit in those, just that discomfort. And there's a lot of discomfort in being a medical professional. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All the time. Every, you know, most decisions are still, you know, this is, especially when you love what you do, you know, because you, these are, these are not just patients. These are people in front of you and, you know, you're, you always want to do the right thing and it's a lot, but it's very rewarding. Yes. Yes. I know you made the big, big move for your, your internship and residency, Yeah, which is amazing. Um, yeah. So I would love to hear what it was like growing up without that, that model. And if you felt supported, if you could have used more support, and and what you what you did through those challenges if if they were there. Yeah, so I I definitely had support, although I didn't have anyone in my family that was a physician. Both my parents are incredibly hardworking and knew that I wanted to be a physician from as long as they can probably remember. And even in high school, I remember I went to Boston. And now that I think back, I didn't even know what I was seeing then. That I went to um a, a national youth leadership forum on medicine when I was, I think it's sophomore in high school and it was in Boston. And I can remember that was the first time I saw a cardiac catheterization. So maybe this was all in the making. I don't know, but <laughs> um, it was a, just a forum for, you know, high school students who are interested in pre-med and my parents put me through that and, you know, supported me throughout college. And then actually my dad got really sick when I was in college. And that was part of, that was the reason why I kind of switched tracks um, and, and didn't go, apply to medical school right then and there. And still throughout that, they've supported me going back to medical school and um, during medical school, during this training and had the support that I needed, even though my journey was a little bit, a little bit different. Mm. You know, that's interesting. I don't think I knew that about your father getting sick because that's the reason why I switched from occupational therapy to pre-med. Mm-hmm. Even though I, you know, to, once I, I received my bachelor's, I made the decision, made the decision that I didn't want to marry 
get married to my career. That that's yeah. not something I wanted to do. Um, which is ultimately why I chose the PA route. But again, it was following the <laughs> for success and having to do things a certain way. Yeah. And I find it curious that, you know, instead of that, you, I don't want to say you fell victim because that sounds horrible, but you kind of fell into that same pattern of, of going the PA route so that there wasn't a gap year so that you didn't have a, a block in your career because you were living up to, I guess what society says is acceptable or not. Do you want to speak to that some more? Sorry, say it again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I just I want to make sure I'm no, of course. So I was I was asking about, I guess what? And I guess there really wasn't a question in there. So thank you for for re, for asking to to for me to clarify. Society wanting us to do things at a certain way in a with within a certain time. It sounds you, you had mentioned that that's sort of what had happened with you choosing to go the PA route and then going to med school. So I think I remember, you know, Ed was so ill and, you know, thankfully he recovered. And, but I remember thinking like, I don't, I don't want this. Like I want to be, a, I want to have a career where I can have a family and be there for my family. And be close. And so, you know, that was a large part and I didn't want the gap year and, you know, these things that was kind of a multifactorial, but I decided to switch to, you know, being a PA at that time. Um, because I wanted all of those things. And then interestingly enough, I could not get pregnant. And when I did get pregnant, I had a loss when I was a PA. So I Mm -hmm. thought, you know what, if I can't get pregnant and have the family that I, that Mm -hmm. I thought I would by doing this, I'm going to go back to medical school. And then I had two babies in medical school. (laughs) (laughs) The irony of that is definitely present. Oh, oh yes. And I'd love to talk about this because, I mean, you just said, I remember leaving primary care because of the same, I I want the option to have a family and I can't doing this right now. Um, at least it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to balance it. And I forget where I was going here with this, but I'd love to, this is a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about. A lot of what I preach to my clients and also on this podcast is living the life of, and, and you're doing so perfectly here. You are carrying out your dream of becoming a physician while also carrying out your dream of starting a family. What's that journey been like those separate journeys intertwining? How I'm not going to ask you how it happened. Cause we all know how that happens, <laughs> but I, I guess how it played out and how that worked being a medical student and, and all those things. Well, what it's like is, is truthfully, it's, it's everything that I've always wanted my, my entire life. I've wanted to be a doctor and I've wanted to be a mom. And so to see those two things happen in the last four years, uh, simultaneously has just been something that number one, I didn't think would ever happen. And I just still kind of can't believe that it happened, but it's been, it's been amazing. So I had Alexandra the second year of medical school. So that was still before our major board exam, you know, studied with her. I wore a respirator when I was pregnant in gross anatomy lab the first year. And then when she was born, I didn't take any time off really. I just uh, was able to watch lectures from home and she kind of stuck her. Um, and then, you know, when we transitioned to the third year of, of clinicals, um, she was in daycare. And so, and I had a, two amazing nannies that helped me when I was studying for my boards and, 
And then William came along in fourth year and I was grateful to have, you know, a few extra months off with him that I didn't really get without, with Alexandra. And, and now here we are. Just amazing. And I love how you're like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it is what, not that it is what it is. It, it, it is what it is. It's so amazing. And mm-hmm. you're speaking to both experiences with so much love. Whereas me, I, I'd probably, and I think that speaks to, I guess, how aligned you are with your life's path currently love it. I'm always wanting, like you said, I always wanted to be a doctor and I always wanted to be. A, so I guess this, you can correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but the stresses of either, or, and both going on aren't as, um, internalized, I guess, or, or you're not perseverating on them because this, these are your dreams happening simultaneously. Honestly, like I just, I feel so at peace with where I'm at, you know, 80 hours a week when I was in my ICU days, I didn't see Alexandra for five days, which was, I'm like, that's awful. Okay. We knew there was going to be hard weeks. So I recorded her two messages in the morning, one for morning Mm -hmm. and one for at night because she caught on to me when I only recorded one. Um, (laughs) So we quickly changed that. And then she recorded me a message before she went to bed and we watched them every day. So we got through, but you know, I'm not minimizing uh, enormous undertaking that this was, um, and there have been sacrifices. There will continue to be sacrifices, but it's the dream, you know, it's my dream. And and I'm grateful to be able to have both of those things. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I love that. What, I, I have had my experience being a, a pandemic mama, but I'm curious to know what your experience was like being a pandemic mama while in your final year of medical school, while also during a worldwide pandemic. Yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah, it was a trifecta and, you know, um, we did take Alexandra out of her daycare just um, in March of 2020. Um, Dave was able to work remotely from home. So she stayed home uh, with us. And we kind of just, when he had a busy week, I would take over more. When I had a busy week, he would take over more. You know, um, I had a lot of elective time in my last year. So I was kind of able to really create my schedule and, and do what I wanted to do with it, which was amazing, you know, looking back. And then when I got pregnant, um, it was scary to be pregnant in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, you know, vaccines weren't here yet and it was just kind of terrifying. So we were home a lot. It was, it was isolating. We didn't see our families as much as we had hoped to, especially because, you know, the fourth year of medical school is the best year they say. And, you know, we were looking forward to a lot of time with family. So that was really hard, but, um, we made it work. Yeah. But it was definitely, it was a different, and even just, you know, the, the pregnancy experience of like the, the doctor's office, it was just like quicker visits and no one there with you and a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of alone time, which, you know, makes you, sh- made me stronger. I feel like anyway, cause I had to do everything alone, you know, up until yeah. the middle. So that was, that was a lot, but, um, I think we're hopefully coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, but yeah, yeah going to be back in a center and, you know, there's always that worry, that mom guilt of, you know, mm. is this going to be okay? But the mom guilt, I feel like is never going to go away no matter what. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's present even for, for me. And I, yeah. I am not working as an intern currently. I'm working and doing my dream job as well. Um, but yeah, still there. I mean, he's upstairs right now and I'm thinking, what if he needs me? I know. I know. So it's, it's, it's there no matter what. Um, yeah. So so you were able to have Dave there during your son's birth. Okay. 
good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dave was able to be there. Um, yeah, thankfully. Um, and we, at that time we were able to have one visitor. So, uh, my mom was able to come to the hospital too and help. And so it was a little bit more, um, you know, it was coming out of the the height of the winter surge, but yeah, the, the pregnancy was scary. Every appointment, you know, you're like looking around the waiting room, looking for anyone Mm -hmm. that's sniffles, um, trying to double mask nine months pregnant, you know, it's just, it it was rough, but we made it. So, Mm. yeah, we, we took a different route. I had a home birth and a Mm. midwife. So I luckily did not have a waiting room to sit in, but the pregnancy, I went alone until actually, I think I went alone for, and then whenever there was a surge, my midwife had me just come by myself and, you know, it being my first pregnancy, Chris couldn't come to the confirming ultrasound and he couldn't come to the last, I only had three ultras, three or four ultrasounds. So he could only go to, he only went to one during the summer. And, um, you know, I had to, to surrender, having a baby shower and, you know, I would have loved to have my mom at the, at the house at least, but because she was working, it just wasn't yeah. safe as he was born in November. So it was another height. I remember I was, I was just so worried that I, I did not want a hospital birth. That was my decision. And I was so afraid to have a hospital birth. And I knew that had I tested positive for COVID at any point or Chris, my husband test positive for COVID, it was straight to the hospital. Yeah. I was so worried about them. Well, one, not following what I wanted, but I had a doula. So she would have helped me out. But two, also having, because I would test positive, having them take Ezzy away soon right after birth. So there were so many fears and I'm so grateful that everything worked out, but, but goodness, I, I, I've been saying a lot and you can tell me how this sounds, but I've been saying a lot that the mamas during the pandemic have had it rougher than typical, typical mothers, especially those who are experiencing or have experienced their first pregnancy. It's been, it's been different. Yeah. Challenging. It it definitely was. I think like you said, uh, I felt like some of the joy was just missing, you know, even, even at the appointments there, it was just down to business and everyone was trying, you know, but you could just tell the, the joy was missing and and that's no one's fault, but it was hard, you know, cause it's still such an exciting time. And, and that, when that part's missing, it, it was, um, made it a little bit harder, but yeah. still got excellent care, have a safe baby mm-hmm. here. And that's all we could ask for. Exactly. Exactly. Now we talked briefly before we hopped on to record about you having spent the last couple weeks in the ICU. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had, you had said it's been very heavy and it's a topic that you would rather not talk about because of the the heaviness. But I, I'm curious to know more so as an indirect effect, I guess, what you've noticed in the medical community, as far as burnout because of secondary to COVID. Yeah. You know, I, I, like I said, I hadn't really been in the hospital for the last, uh, really almost six or eight months because I was interviewing and then we were moving. And so, um, now being back in, I think that everyone's tired, everyone's exhausted. Everyone, um, that I have worked with that has seen what it was like in the hospitals at the height of the COVID surges, um, are just, absolutely exhausted at the thought of that happening again. And myself seeing what I'm seeing now, even in the couple of weeks that I've been there, the numbers are going up and, um, 
I can see where it would, uh, where we could get into a, a dark, dark hole again. So yeah, hopefully everyone will continue to, uh, get their vaccines as able, and hopefully we can kind of flatten out any potential upcoming surges. Yeah, absolutely. What would, what would your, if you could bestow any words of wisdom onto seeing the misinformation out there on vaccinations on COVID itself too, what would, what do you want them to know as somebody who literally is seeing, seeing it all and, and have, and you, you are in the community that's seeing it all. I just think if you're hesitant at all about the vaccines or you still have questions about COVID and, and, um, anything related to talk to anyone you trust, any healthcare provider that you trust, because I know personally, I would rather spend an entire visit helping you understand, you know, the safety of the vaccines and the, you know, the effects of COVID that it's having long-term on, on patients than, than anything else at this point, information that could be cleared up. Um, you know, I think just talk to someone that you trust. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the, at least what I'm seeing in the spiritual community, I guess, in a latching on to misinformation shared by have this, I don't know if they've decided or they've had a poor experience. I don't know what their story is, but they're, they're taking the vaccine as dangerous. And that's, that's disheartening to see as a medical professional myself. And it's, it's very hard not to get angry when I see that. Um, I'm curious your thoughts and and what you'd say to those who say, well, Dr. So-and-so said this. I mean, unfortunately, I think there's always uh, multiple, Every, everyone has their opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I guess the only thing I would say is there's data. There's lots of data on the safety and efficacy of vaccines. And truthfully, it's all we have right now to, um, to kind of look to an end to this pandemic. So I think there will continue to be misinformation, but I would encourage those who are skeptical to reach out again to a healthcare provider who maybe can share with them some facts um, and, and hopefully, you know, make them more comfortable with their decision. Yeah. And, and I know I've been sharing this from my platform that I am more than happy to have a one-on-one discussion with anybody who's hesitant and anybody who has questions. And I've made that known and I'm making it known again for anybody who is interested. Um, awesome. Yeah. I just wanted to briefly go down that road because I felt it was a response, my own responsibility to, to have this brief discussion. I'm curious to know. Okay. So veering again, what's the rest of intern year look like? How is that blocked out? So, um, it's looking busy, but, um, (laughs) have, you know, I have, um, Lots of subspecialty services. I have cardiology in a few weeks, which of course I'm excited about. Lots of general medicine inpatient, um, a few more ICU blocks, uh, a couple more night float blocks, and then all of my clinic time. So it's a pretty predictable, but um, you know, varied schedule for the first year. And then in the second and third years, we have a lot more flexibility for research blocks and um, elective time. So, oh, fun. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So, what's the difference between intern year and resident? year when you become, go from intern to first year to second year? So I think uh, with each year that goes on, there's just um, a little bit more graduated responsibility and autonomy. So as you know, right now I may be writing the notes for all the patients on the teams, whereas next year I'm doing more um, discharge summaries and I'm coordinating more things and I'm overseeing my intern and, you know, taking a little bit more responsibility for the team. So um, I just think that graduated responsibility and autonomy is really the main difference. 
as the years go on. Yeah. Awesome. You are completing your dream of being a doctor and likely a cardiologist, but we're going to leave that open a little bit just in case. And you're fulfilling your dream as mother. Mm -hmm. Are there any other dreams that you're just going to run off and tackle? Because that just, from from where I stand, it just seems like you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then you do it and you're just amazing. I don't know. I'm just, I I'm, I'm so content with where I'm at and you know, I, Dave seems to be enjoying the journey as well. So I just want <laughs> to be able to live out, you know, anything else that he really wants to do, but, um, we're just, we're just living day by day. You know, I, uh, I think training is really busy. Um, and sure there will be days where I'm like, Oh, I just want this to be over. But I also don't want three to six years to be gone because I love this stage with my, with my kids. And, you know, yeah. so I think we're just trying to soak up every, every day we can, you know, our weekends might be a random Monday and, you know, we might be tackling, uh, things like that during the week and not have the conventional, you know, days off that we would, if we weren't doing this, but we're just really trying to embrace where we're at and making the most of it. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I, I love the contrast between motherhood and residency as far as wishing time to, to be, go fast, go by faster and also pleading time to slow down. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's beautiful. I, I think that's ah, such a, a wonderful contrast right there. What would you say to somebody who is interested in the medical field, be they a high school student or even somebody maybe a little bit older who wants a career change? What would you, what, I guess, what would you want them to know, especially if they're full of self-doubt? Just do it. I mean, I, I can't imagine where I would be right now if I wouldn't have done it. Cause I think I would have been very unhappy because I just feel like this was the path that I was destined for. And I'm so grateful that I was able to carry it out. And I know that's not always feasible for everyone. Um, but if, if you can find a way, um, I, I would, just go for it because you're stronger than you think, you know, and uh, I think that's always a way to get it done. And yeah, I mean, I'm a happier and better person because of it. I know that. It has been so much fun talking with you and kind of getting a different perspective while also having the same themes play out as far as, you know, chasing, it's so cliche, but chasing after your dreams and knowing that you can juggle so many things and being able to surrender so that you can enjoy life to its fullest. And it's, it's been phenomenal just to see the, again, the contrast behind how I've chosen to take my life and how you've chosen to take your life, but for the same reasons. Yeah. It's been so much fun. Thank you for being here and having this conversation with me. It's been such a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. Emboldened.